Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. All right, so today I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Father. Uh, before Easter, we were talking about the gifts of the, of the Spirit. <clears throat> we had a little bit of a breather with Easter service, and then what I spoke to you last week, I'm just going to teach today. There are times I say I'm just going to teach, and then I get a little bit excited. Uh, we'll see what happens, but it is my plan to teach you on the gifts of the Father today. Uh, we spent a few, uh, I think, what, three weeks on the gifts of the Spirit. This is something I've learned uh, serving in church the years that I have is that the gifts of the Spirit can be a bit intimidating for people. Uh, not everybody, of course, but for some people they can be a bit intimidating and they can definitely be a, a bit uncomfortable because, as I taught, when you're dealing with gifts of the Spirit, you're dealing with the supernatural. So you function outside of the natural, you function within the supernatural, and it requires a distinct level of faith, it requires uh, a ear, uh, uh, to, to, to hear the Lord, to be led by the Spirit, and that is not always the easiest things to do. Today, we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Father, and the gifts of the Father is actually quite different than the gifts of the Spirit, whereas the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural, the gifts of the Father are absolutely natural. Uh, next week is Mother's Day, right? Yeah, I better remember that one. Uh, after Mother's Day, my plan is for us to talk about the gifts of the Son, and that is another completely a different way of how God works through people. But today, the gifts of the Father, when you look at these, what you're really looking about is pra very practical, very natural, a gift that we are born with, that maybe we have learned, or maybe we have a special grace for. It's gifts that God, God has placed in our life that we might use just naturally on a day-to-day -day basis uh, or a consistent basis, but it's also considered these natural abilities that God wants to use for his kingdom. I was going to say this at the end, but I'm going to say it now. As a Christian... If you are a Christian here today, you and me both, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to function uh, according to God's will in the kingdom of God. It is not God's will for any Christian just to come to church, believe in Jesus, and do nothing for God. If that's the case on your journey of faith, you got it mixed up. You're missing the mark, all right? You're, you're, you're missing the mark. God intends for every single child of his to carry a responsibility within his household. Are you breathing this morning? Just like when we have kids, every kid has a type of responsibility within the family unit, right? I mean, the kid just doesn't come and don't ever do anything. They have a responsibility, and each family operates a little bit differently. But each kid in a family has a type of responsibility. 
And it's no different in the family of God. Each child within the family of God has a responsibility to do something in that household. Now, some people inside the household, repeating myself, will not be comfortable functioning in a role that requires, say, a gift of the Spirit that can be a bit more challenging. But any and everybody has the ability to function in the area of what we're going to be talking about today when it comes to the gifts of the Father. Because in all reality, this is about you and I allowing God just to use who we are, what we can do, and what we have a special grace for, for His purpose and for His will. Am I making sense? So, what, are, what we are labeling gifts, these gifts can function within the church. These gifts can function outside of the church. It's very important that we recognize what we are capable of and how God has gifted us and therefore dedicate them unto the Lord and be like, God, you created me this way. Or, God, you've enabled me to learn this. Or, God, you've given me a special grace for this. And so, therefore, I am going to dedicate this to you. And I am going to allow you to use me in whatever way you deem necessary to help somebody, to bless somebody, to be a light to somebody, to be and encouragement to somebody, and so forth. So let's, uh, now, but before I go there, let me do say this. Now, these can be used in conjunction with the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. They can work as a standalone gift, or they can work in unison with a spiritual gift as well. So it's very important to, to, to know that, because when you talk about uh, the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, what we see is they each function in an individual role, but they also function in a collective, right? They are not separated. They are one, just like us. We have a mind, we have a body, and we have a spirit. So our mind does one thing, our body does another thing, and our spirit does another thing. But yet we also function collectively as one being. Does that make sense? And it's the same way with the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And it's the same way with the gifts of the Trinity. They can function all together, but they can also function as individuals. So... The verse that we're going to be reading today is Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For I say through the grace given to me, can you say the grace given to me? This is Paul just making a statement. I really like this. He says, so I say, in other words, I am speaking to you, I am teaching you, I am writing this through a special grace, a special willingness or a special tolerance that I have for something. For him, it was teaching the word. So through this, and, and he was indirectly basically stating his gift 
of the Father right there. For I say through the grace given to me, for I say through the gift given to me, to everyone, and can you say everyone? This is key. Everyone. When we go into the gifts of the Son, it doesn't say everyone. It says some. But here, the gifts of the Father says everyone. It's very important that you realize this. Everyone, if you are a child of God, then you have a gift of the Father, period. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So let's just stop right there real fast. There is no hierarchy of gifts. They are equal. And just because you do one thing doesn't make you any better than anybody that does something else. And that's what this little phrase here is saying. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. In other words, don't think you're all that in a bag of chills because you do one thing and somebody else does another thing. I am no better because I'm on a stage than Sean is because he's behind a soundboard. Right? My responsibilities are different, and my authority is different. But I am no better, and he is no better. He might look better, but he ain't any better. We are equal. And a problem that certain people in the church has developed over the years is simply because they do something that seems to be a little bit bigger, better, and badder. They therefore think they're more important or more special because of their gift than somebody else with another gift. And that is the sin of pride. And the Bible said pride comes before the fall. All right, let me move on. I don't want to get on a rabbit trail there. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liber liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Ladies, I'm sorry the term is just he, 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 he. We've talked about this before. There was an issue with unequality back in the day, so that's why it is referring to he. But we know that God works with he's and she's. Can I say this? He don't work with days, though. You know what I mean. Hmm, hmm. Let's not go down a rabbit trail, trail and we end up sticking my foot in my mouth and get in trouble. Dobby loves it when I stick my foot in my mouth, but not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. I have a history of sticking my boot in my mouth. So let's get to this verse. The first portion we have to realize is two sections, but uh, that has two different words that we need to look at, faith and grace. So we see the term here talking about a special grace, 
and a special faith that each of us have. So a special faith represents, or, or not represents, but really means it's what you believe and what you know you can do on a very practical scale. Your grace is what you have a willingness to do. Aside from what I'm doing today, I really thoroughly enjoy ministering through food. I have a faith and a knowing that I can do that because of what I've done for years and because of what I went to school for. I also have a willingness, I have this grace to prepare food and to serve people in a ministry context. That is a, spe- that is a faith I have, and that is a grace I have. Does that make sense? Some of you, you have the same thing. You have a faith that God has given you to function in a certain way. It is not the gift of faith that we, taught about, that, that, that we talked about when it comes to uh, the gift of faith from the Spirit. This is a deposit of experience in your life that you know you can do. And then there is the grace. What is grace? We can, we can go all over the board with grace, but in a very simple way, grace is a tolerance or a willingness. If, if I have the grace to do something for you, it is a willingness to do something for you. It is a tolerance that I have on my behalf, maybe to cook you a big dinner and just deliver it to you. God We are saved because of grace, right? We're not saved because of works. We are saved because of grace. And because of God's grace, he has a willingness and he has a tolerance of us, even though all has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, so that's a little bit in a nutshell. So each and every one of us, we have a faith and we have a grace for a practical function in life. Am I making sense thus far? Now let's, let, let, let's look, before I jump into that, let, let, me, let me say this. So the, the gifts that I read is seven. This is not an exhausted list. Most biblical teachers agree that this list here is really a list to give examples and is a list to teach principles about the idea that God deposits in us practical ways to be a light in the world, to serve in the kingdom, and make a difference in people's lives. Most biblical teachers agree upon that, that this is not an exhausted list when it comes to the gifts of the Father. So I want, I want, I want you to understand that. So the first one, it says prophecy. If prophecy... Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. You remember when, when, when I taught on, on prophecy as a gift of the Spirit, I was breaking down. There was two types of, uh, of uh, when we prophesy in the New Testament, there's two types. There is the Old Testament type when we hear a word from God and we declare it and it comes from the Holy Ghost. But then when you dive into it, New Testament prophecy is also preaching and declaring the logos or the written word of God. Right? Because the Bible says, 
Paul teaches us that he wishes everybody to prophesy. And when you dive and dig all into that, it is really the declaration of the Word of God, the logos, the written Word of God. And so right here, when it says, if if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. This is a very practical way of declaring the Word of God. It is not getting a vision. It is not getting a dream. It is not hearing the voice of God that, uh, about something that is going to occur in the future. No, this is simply about declaring the Word of God. And when you, when, when you really think about it, there is some people that just has the ability just to share the Word. It's like when they start thinking about it and when they get in conversation with people about it, something just triggers. It's like a, it's like a, a, a domino set. And they just have this very natural ability just to share the word. They're very comfortable sharing it one-on-one. They're very comfortable sharing it in Walmart or Target if you prefer. They're very comfortable sharing it at a restaurant It's just this ability just to sit down and talk story with someone and just simply share the word. What are you doing? You are prophesying the word. It's a very practical ability, ability, excuse me, that is is needed. I worked for a man uh, on on a certain type of construction in, in Missouri, and he had this ability. He would walk up to a stranger in in their house. And all of a sudden, just say something that triggered something. And the next thing you know, he's just talking about the Word of God. In a very low-key, non-confrontational, non-offensive way, but just in a way that opens people's hearts, opens people's minds, and just gets them questioning things or even asking things that they don't quite understand. If you have this ability... Don't put a bushel over the light, but let your light shine. Amen? Because people need this. The second one, it says ministry. So this basically just means serving. It means you have the ability and the grace just to serve. You don't mind taking people, people plates of food. You don't mind walking around uh, tables and, and getting dirty dishes after people has ate. You don't mind setting up tables and chairs. You don't mind using your vehicle to take a, a load of gear that is needed for an outreach. You don't mind being behind the scenes. When we say we need help to pull out 10 tables for an event, you're right there. You are on it. You don't mind serving. When you hear somebody say, I have need of this, it's like your heart gets excited and you jump, you jump to the, the occasion and you're just ready just to serve and help somebody in a time of need. That's really what ministering is. Ministry is serving. The word ministry actually means to serve. And this is a very practical gift. And you can see where it, it is a blessing in the church. And you can see how it would be a blessing in the world. Your coworker has a cold cup of coffee, and you know they love coffee. And 
you just get the idea to go pour them a new cup of coffee. You go pour them a new cup of coffee, you give it to them, they're tickled, it creates a conversation, and next thing you know, you're talking to somebody because you got them a cup of coffee. Just serving somebody. You see an elderly gentleman trying to pull a big box out of the back of his truck going into his garage, and he's just having a hard time. And you just do a U-turn in the middle of the road, pull up in his driveway, and just say, sir, can I help you move that box out of the way? It's just a heart to simply serve. And we can see how this is needed in the church. We can see how this is needed in the world. Just a heart to simply serve somebody. Third one, it says teaches. This is usually people who is not only have the gift of biblical gab. That's a new one, right? That, not just the gift of gab, but the gift of biblical gab. This is not just someone who has the gift of biblical gab. No, this is someone who is extremely knowledgeable in the word, but has the ability to break it down, share it, so people can understand it. It's very practical. Someone in this line doesn't need the Holy Ghost telling them to, giving them a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a revelation. No. They have practically broke down the Scriptures. They have a great understanding of it. And they have a wonderful and beautiful ability just to teach it so that people can know it and people can understand it. Just because people know the Bible doesn't mean they can teach the Bible. You get someone who knows the Bible but who doesn't know how to teach the Bible, that person can get a whole bunch of people all confused. They're jumping from Genesis to Revelation and not mixing the dots, if you know what I mean. But yet a person who understands it and has that ability to teach, they're a diamond in the kingdom of God. Because they can bring forth enlightenment, understanding, and application in other people's lives. A very practical gift. And you don't have to work at a church. You don't have to have a stage to operate in this gift. You don't even have to have an audience. You don't have to have a small group. Because sometimes the greatest teachings happen when you are just one-on-one with somebody. When you're in a conversation and something in the Bible just comes up and because of your understanding and because of your ability to express it properly, you can enlighten that person and teach them what they need to really learn in the Bible. It's a beautiful, wonderful gift. Another one is exhorts. Exhorts basically means to encourage How many people love to be encouraged? Raise your hand. I mean, we love to be encouraged. And some people just have this natural ability just to encourage people. It's like they, they, they see beyond maybe the reality. You know, I, I, this is not me. I'm going to be, be, be real. I, I, I'm, I'm too realistic to be an encourager. 
If I see that somebody sucks in something, I just want to say, man, you need to try something different. <laughs> you know, I, I say it with class. I say it with tech. I ain't just going to be like, hey, bro, you suck. I ain't going to do that. Well, I might if I'm cool with you, but, but for the most part, I won't. But, but a person who's encouraging, like, they see beyond the suck. I can say that because Jacob gave us a message. What would you say? What was Embrace the suck, all right? So if I, if I offend you, then, then Jacob influenced me, influenced me to, to use that. But an encourager sees beyond the suck. I like saying that. I don't know why. I just like saying it. I feel like I'm being a bad boy to say it. I don't know. And I can't be a bad boy no more. I'm a pastor. I got to be a good guy. Like, man, I can't be a bad guy no more. I'm, I'm sorry. Anyway. But... And encourager sees beyond that. And they'd be like, you're doing okay. You're doing great. You did an awesome job. A non-encourager would be like, mm, I just need to leave the room because I'm about to get myself in trouble. I don't like to cook for encouragers because if I cook something that sucks, they're going to tell me it tastes great and they're great and they're just lying to my face. On the truth. But some people can't handle the truth. You know what movie that's All right, let's, let's move on, let's move on. But that makes sense, right? So exhorting is encouraging. And some people just has this wonderful, beautiful ability to encourage people. And why is this needed? Because we live in a world and we deal with things that press us down, that, make, that discourages us, that makes us feel heavy. But you get an exhorter or an encourager and you get around them and they can make you go from zero to a ten. They can take the frown off your face and put a smile on your face. They can take the insecurities out of your heart and give you securities because they are just a beautiful encourager. And that is needed. And you can see, you can definitely see the need of that in the church, and you can see the need of that in the world. If you are an encourager, though, let, 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 let me give you some advice. If somebody can't sing, don't you dare send them up here to sing. So I've had people do that. They'll come to me, my wife, or our worship leader, and be like, oh, so-and-so told me to come talk to you. They said I can sing. And I'm like, oh, God, no, I'm going to have to hurt somebody's feeling today. It's okay to encourage, but don't be a liar. You know what I mean? <laughs> be real. Or, <laughs> just give a little lie. Just give a little lie, right? Don't give a big lie. Like, don't tell them they're star quality when they're not even bathroom quality. You know what I'm saying? Just, just a little lie. This little guy. All right. The fifth one is uh, gives. Gives. Everybody likes to be on the receiving end of someone who has the gift of giving. Not everybody can give. And if you have a gift of giving, it doesn't mean you have all the resources in the world. Quite the contrary. Some people think that if you have the gift of giving or generosity, then all of a sudden you are loaded with all the resources in the world. And to be honest with you, most people that I meet or I come across that has the gift of giving does not have all the resources in the world. But they have a heart to just give. And this is so needed. So a, a giver 
They give of, of various resources. This could be monetarily. They hear of somebody in need. They come across someone in need. A special offering uh, is taken, and they just have a heart to give, and they do the, pot, the best that they could do. Sometimes it's not monetary. Sometimes it's based off of what they have. And it's not necessarily based off of what they have that they don't use. How many of you give things that you don't use? You're like, I'm just going to give this away because it's taking up space. Yeah, if you do that a lot, that don't mean you have the gift of generosity. That means you're just trying to clear some space out of your garage. And you don't want to take a trip to the Goodwill in Bakersfield because gas is so stinking high right now. Amen? But when someone has the gift of giving, they just have this heart just to give to people with the resources that God has given them. And this is such a blessing. I've been on the receiving end of this many times. And it can absolutely change somebody's life. It can change somebody's current season. It can actually cause people to remember that there is good people in the world. That's what giving, one of the things that giving really does is when, let's say you're, you're just kind of down and out and you got a thumbs down for humanity because of something you, you, you've been through, because sometimes we go through things, right? And you're like, you know, people stink. And then all of a sudden, God's put somebody in your life and they give you something. And they're very generous with what they give you. And, you're, and it just kind of is like, wow. There is some giving people in the world. There is some good people in the world. There is some people who cares. And it can completely change your heart, your mindset, your faith. It can make your, a bad day turn into a good day or a bad year into a good year or a bad life into a good life. Amen? Leads. Number six, he who leads. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'll be quick, all right? I'm, I'm lasting a little too long here. So it says, he who leads to do it with diligence. This, now, anybody can learn to lead. And this is something you learn in ministry. This is something you learn in, in leadership uh, teachings. You learn this in business. Anybody could lead. You don't have to have uh, a special personality to be a good leader. In fact, some of the greatest leaders actually started off not being good leaders at all, but they learned the ropes on how to lead people. But with that being said, there are some people that is just naturally charismatic. They are just naturally a take-charge type of person, and typically these individuals are just natural leaders. We all come up with, I guarantee you, we all can think of some people that way, right? Just they're just naturally charismatic. They just naturally get attention. They just naturally step into a situation, and they just naturally just take charge, take the reins, and they just know, know how to make things work. Again, this is very important because there's so many times in people's lives when people don't know what to do, and they just need charismatic leadership. 
There are so many times in an organization that an organization needs help on what to do. There are so many times in a church when a church leadership needs to know exactly what to do. And it's very important that these charismatic leaders rise up and they're sensitive to the Lord and they're full of the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God and they lead righteously. Amen? The seventh one is mercy. He who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. This is the type of person who is like really forgiving. This is the type of person that they, they accept anybody. It don't matter their past. It doesn't matter how dirty they are. It doesn't matter how great they might seem. It just They're so forgiving. They're very empathetic, very compassionate. This is someone that has the gift of mercy. And again, we can see how this is very important in church and in the world. Because let's say you find yourself on the stupid end of a stick. In other words, you've done something stupid. And everybody you know has given you the cold shoulder. Maybe they've given you the boot. Maybe you've burned bridges, and, you, and, and, and your experience is causing you to feel like the whole world is against you. And honestly, your little world might be against you. But then you come across someone who has the gift of mercy. And to them, even if they were affected by it, to them... It's almost as if there's no wrong. They still love you. They still embrace you. They still welcome you. They'll still sit down, put their arm around you, stand with you, and be there with you. When any and everything else has turned against you, they are still there with you. They're the person who operates and a very practical gift of mercy. And again, we can see where this is really needed in the church and really needed in the world. Because who doesn't need to feel mercy when, when you feel like you, you, you've done something unforgivable, when you've done something that's hurt somebody, when you're the outcast because of your actions? You need to be around somebody that extends mercy, grace, compassion, forgiveness, and empathy with you. Now, these seven is, again, not an exhausted list. They're just an example with some principles. I have listed just a, a, a few more that I'm just going to read off, not going to expound on, that can be included in this. The gift of music can be included in this. The gift of administration can be included in this. The gift of creativity can be included in this. The gift of having a trade can be included in this, where you use your trade as a ministry tool to help people. Food can be included in this. And the list really does go on. And 
what the message really is concerning this topic is God has given us a has given all of us, remember everyone. God has given everyone special ability or special faith and a special grace to do something special for people in this world. You don't have to be a big hitter to be used by God. You don't have to function in the nine gifts of the Spirit to be used by God. You don't have to be called into one of the five-fold ministries that we'll talk about in a couple weeks to be used by God. All you have to do is have eyes to see what you do have and have a heart that is willing to be used by God to make a difference in people's lives. And if you do that, you can actually have a sense of purpose, a sense of being impactful or effective to people. You can have a sense of having a job, a role, and fulfilling that role in the kingdom of God. And you cause yourself not just to be a spectator, but to participate in God's plan for the world and in the work of his kingdom. Please know this. You have in you what God can use to make a difference in people's life. And it's called a gift of the Father. The Bible says that before, or that, that God that God formed us. See, it, it all makes sense. It's, there's a reason these are called the gifts of the Father, because it makes sense. The Bible says that, that God, our Father, has plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans to bless us. The Bible says that God knows every single hair on our head. The Bible says that God knew us and formed us prior to us even being birthed. And doesn't it make sense that God, our Creator, planned and planned and designed and orchestrated and ordered and structured and created our lives the way they are there's a reason you're crafty if you're crafty it's not just for yourself there's a reason you're intellectual if you are an intellectual type it's not just yourself there's a reason you have musical abilities. If you have musical abilities, it's not just yourself. There's a reason that it thrills you just to give to somebody. There's a reason you have an ability just to speak and talk about God. There's a reason you have the ability to break down complicated texts and make them applicable and understand them, understanding for the average Joe. There's a reason instead of seeing someone on the bottom end of the stick, you see them on the up end of the stick or a glass half full as opposed to half empty. There is a reason you feel the way you feel. You think the way you think. You do what you do. There's a reason you are naturally attracted to what you are attracted to. 
There is a reason, and it's not because you just have these genes and these DNA systems that just make you up. No, God created you in a wonderful and special way. And God created you in this way so that you can function in this way and that he can use all those functions to give life to somebody who needs it. Don't think that just because you're not up here preaching or you're not laying hands on somebody or you don't fulfill a role in the church that you are not or you cannot be used by God. The fact that you are a child of God created by the hands of God says to me that you can be used by God to make changes in people's life and do a great, wonderful work. Amen? You just have to value yourself. Did you know most people don't value themselves? They don't value their skill set. They don't value just their natural ability to recognize and see things the way they see it. I am blown away by people with mechanical minds because that's not my mindset. They can look at a motor and it just clicks. Not just because, yes, they've learned it, but also what they've learned just comes very natural to their mind. I am blown away by that. I'm blown away by a person that can hear a musical note and just simply say, oh, that's an F sharp. Hmm, that's an E flat. I am blown away that they can hear a tone and just call the note out as it is. Special. That's unique. That's a God-created gift. And each and every one of you, us, we have these. And it's time that we find value and how we're created and give God an opportunity to bless the world through what we can do with our hands. And those are the gifts of the Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. I got our worship team's coming. Bow your head. Let me pray over you today. Father, I... I, I hope what we talked about today just really creates an awareness and some ideas on what people can do and who people are. Father, I ask that, the val- that how we value ourselves is increased simply from the fact that we realize you created us the way that we are. And because you are the master creator, you are a master artist. Because you created us the way we are created in such a unique, special way, in such an individual way, you have a plan for us, you have a purpose for us plan to use our skill sets, a plan to use our natural abilities, our natural tendencies, a plan to use our special graces and our special faiths 
May we be aware, may we be aware of that. May we embrace that and help us to act upon that. Father, I ask that you just begin to speak to the minds. Let's hear, speak to our minds, our hearts here today. Begin to, give, begin to give us thoughts. Begin to give us ideas on how we can use what we know how to do to make a difference in people's lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to set aside some time this week. Get quiet before the Lord and do two things. Consider yourself. Consider what you have the capability of doing. Realize it. Recognize it. Consider these special graces that you have. Consider these tolerances. Consider, consider the things you're willing to do. Recognize them. See them. Maybe write them down. And then ask the Lord to begin to give you ideas on how you can use these graces and these abilities to make a difference in people's lives and then do it. Do it. Do it. Serving the world is not all about going out laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, getting in a parking lot declaring the word of God that has its place and its need amen but that's not the totality of it the world needs how God created you we as a church we need how God created one another I need you I need your skill set I need your ability I need your encouragement. I need your mercy for when Lorana kicks me in the doghouse. Just kidding. Am I making sense? Well, we can make a difference if we just recognize. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.